Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Hey everyone, from KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown, and I'm Marisa Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer, and today on The Breakdown, we have the man challenging Governor Gavin Newsom to lead the Golden State. That's right, we are very excited to have Senator Brian Daly with us. He is on the ballot for governor this November, and he served in the state legislature for about a decade. We're going to bring him in in just a few minutes to talk about his life and vision for California. But first, the election is heating up, Scott. We're seeing more and more advertisements out there, Some a debate some polls. Um, so before we get into the poll and some of the nitty gritty, you might have seen the current governor on your uh, TV at home or on other screens uh, railing against Prop 30. Yeah, not for himself, actually, but well, kind of for himself in a way, but uh, really about Prop 30, which would raise uh, income taxes on those earning $2 million a year and more. And the money would be used to help uh, kind of get the state to its goals on electric vehicles and carbon emissions, also raise some money for wildfires. And you'd think that's kind of a, a no-brainer because those are two of the governor's big priorities, but he's against it along with the, the teachers' union and others. He's wait, wait, wait. Sa- we got to like lay out these strange bedfellows. Howard Jarvis taxpayers, the Chamber of Commerce, Republican Gavin Party, Newsom, Republican and the CTA Party. walk into a bar. He finally, <laughs> like, finally found something he agrees with the Republican Party on. And the Taxpayers and Association, the Association, which is maybe even a bigger... Yeah. Lead, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, part of it, I mean, let's let's everything that the governor does these days, you, I think we look at in part through this national prism as we he keeps kind of dipping his toe into Florida and Texas and other things. Um, and you got to, you know, looking at it from that lens, I mean, the state has a huge surplus or, or did. And, you know, raising taxes when you've got that much money and you're giving money back to taxpayers already uh, doesn't look so good. The optics of that aren't, ba- aren't good. And of course, teachers didn't like it or don't like it because it would take money away from that Prop 98 funding formula for schools. They wanted to go into the general fund. So on some level, it makes sense. But yeah, you're right. Strange bedfellows for sure. Yeah. And I think this is it's an interesting one from a policy perspective for him to argue against because it is to fund this electric vehicle infrastructure that the state needs if they're going to get to the goals that he is supporting and in some cases put forward. Um, and, and he is sort of framing this as a giveaway to lift because rideshare companies have been ordered to really increase the amount of electric vehicles 
vehicles and their fleets. Um, but yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see what cuts through the noise. Um, it does seem from polling, which we're about to get to, that it's it's in a pretty strong position and less so when Newsom weighs in. So yeah, we'll exactly. See. But PPIC put out a poll this week. It shows Newsom ahead 58 to 31 over our soon to be introduced guest, uh, Brian Daly. Um not a huge surprise there. Those are pretty similar numbers to some other polls. I was really interested by Proposition 1. This is the constitutional amendment uh, to enshrine abortion and contraception access in the state constitution. It's leading 69-25. And when you dig down, I mean, Democrats and independents, very strong support. About 33% of Republicans say they're going to support it. But in competitive congressional districts, they say it's 70% favored, which I think is a really interesting question for people. It's always like a little guests. tricky. To, yeah, it's a, a little tricky. Tricky sometimes to to uh, do the polling in those really small districts, but uh, you know that is really what Democrats are hoping for. They want to run on this issue. Right. Obviously, in California, it does well, and they'll be pleased to know that it uh, it does well in some of those competitive districts. Because you know, I think if the Democrats are going to hold on to the House, which is a big if, you know, they're going to have to pick up. They're going to have to flip some seats here in California, and there you know there are two or three where that could happen. Yeah, and I mean, I do think that this is an issue. I. I I would venture to gather that if this had been uh, a question on the ballot without the Dobbs Supreme Court decision, without Roe v. Wade being overturned, it would not necessarily have that level of support among Republicans and independents. Um, We have seen since the last UC Berkeley poll, which showed a slightly higher number of Republicans supporting it, some of those undecideds uh, going, it seems, towards towards the no side. But this is really something that I think we all knew it was coming, but everyone was surprised by it. You well, know? I think also they got a boost unexpectedly from Senator Lindsey Graham this week, who announced that he wanted to uh, push some legislation that would create a nationwide ban on abortion after 15 weeks, with some exceptions. Um, and so I think you know, that was certainly something that the Democrats were happy to hear about because it uh, took attention away from those inflation numbers that came out yesterday as well. Uh, but uh, so a little bit of a mixed message there coming out of the Republican Party on this issue, maybe. You know, maybe we'll talk with our guest about that as well. Yeah, I mean, I do think that all the oxygen in the room so far has really been made up by these uh, ballot measures 26 and 27 on gaming. Um, and and I, I do wonder before we go to break if that backfires on folks who want to legalize more sports betting because people do get over like saturated with things Absolutely. and start tuning it out and getting hostile. Well, and often, you know, when there are two competing ballot measures and people get confused, people just say no to both of them. You know, 26 right. is being supported by the tribes by and large, 27 by the gaming industry, which and they both sides have spent already over, over you know, $400 million. Yeah. This particular Prop 27, the spending on that has already broken a record. Um, and yet in that poll, uh, support for that measure is uh, not so great, right? It's um, looking for the number in front of me. I don't have it, but it's uh, it was it was it was trailing pretty, yeah. pretty significantly. And I do think that there is a point where people are tired of hearing about it, and they just say, you know, they tune out. They I tune mean, out. yeah. Well, so. don't tune out us. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be joined Thir- by 34 state- yes. Yeah. <laughs> he comes 54, in. 54 no. I just found it. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be joined by state senator and gubernatorial candidate Brian Daly. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I am Marisa Lagos here with Scott Schaefer, and we are thrilled to welcome Senator Brian Daly. Welcome to The Breakdown. Hello. Hi, Marissa. Scott, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we are really excited to talk about your biography and life, and we want to start at the beginning, before you were even here. Um, you come from a farming family, and we were reading that your grandfather, a World War One veteran, was granted a homestead in Thule Lake in 1930. And I understand there's a pickle jar involved in this family lore. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, uh, my grandfather came to California looking for work in 1929 during the Great Depression, uh, found out that they were actually giving land grants out to veterans and basically put his name in a pickle jar. They drew his name out. Uh, we had a 80-acre homestead in Tule Lake, California. It's four miles from the Oregon border, way north. Uh, he bought some land in 1942 in Lassen County, where I reside today, and uh, continue to farm those lands. So we've been in California for 92 years farming. I continue to farm today. We do cereal grains for seed, wheat, barley, oats, rye, peas, 95% certified organic, and that's what we do for a living. So. I- I'm curious, you know, you're, a lot of people became Democrats because of FDR. Did your family <laughs> go that way? You're obviously a Republican, but did, uh, you know, or going way back, were there some Democrats in there? You know, I never actually got to meet my grandfather. He passed away before I was born, but I know a lot about him. He was a very uh, awesome human being. I don't know, but I do know this. Uh, I have a copy of the actual deed uh, with all the, the, uh, crops he raised to pay the taxes. You have to pay taxes for five years, build a home on the on the land. And I have that in my office with Franklin Roosevelt's signature. Five years later, he signed the, the deed. So it's very awesome story. It's a California story. And that's quite frankly why I'm running for governor. I'm not leaving California. A lot of my neighbors and friends are leaving. I'm here to fight. Uh, I, as you probably know, I was served 16 years on the Lassen County Board of Supervisors before I came to the legislature. So I've been elected 26 years fighting for uh, private property rights for, you know, California, the California dream. I I want uh, people to have the same opportunities that uh, my grandfather had and my dad and myself and my my children, quite frankly. And the and the dream is is really dim right now. I'll just say that with the current administration and 25 years of one party control in California. Going back to your childhood, um, I believe you. I mean, you guys still have the family homestead, but as you said, you're, you know, you've brought property further south and um, you grew up 
in a farm family as well. Can you just tell us a little bit about what your childhood was like? I know you've talked about your dad's struggles with alcohol in the past. Yeah. So my, my dad, uh, had addiction issues. He was uh, alcoholic. Uh, my dad was passed out every night on the couch, um, until I was in seventh grade and my mom separated from my dad and uh, learned about alcoholism. If you remember, Betty Ford came out at the time and said, alcoholism is a disease. My mom, uh, an awesome lady, still alive to this day, um, went and learned about alcoholism, got my dad in a treatment program. They weren't available in the North. She yeah. got him, she took him all the way to Pasadena, California. Uh, and he went through a treatment program and was sober for the rest of his life until he passed away. It changed, it changed my life and it changed uh, our family because did, he made the right choice. How did it change your life? What do you mean? Well, because my dad became a dad and he took care of his family at that point. And um, he wasn't, uh, you know, damaging himself along with his marriage and his family. So he uh, did what he needed to do. He needed to be a father and and uh, a, a better farmer, obviously, because he was uh, not on it. He wasn't addicted. And so it really changed my life. I saw um, what needs to happen. I believe that's uh, the biggest challenge we have with homelessness is addiction issues. Ninety nine percent of the people on the streets have addiction issues. It leads to mental health issues. And those are the things that um, I want to focus on as a governor of California, because if you can turn that corner and you and, and change uh, your addiction issues, you have an opportunity to change your life and you can have upward mobility and you can move uh, up the and take care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, and so many people have that experience in their families. So you did not go to college. Um, you said you couldn't <laughs> afford it and you worked a series of jobs before you came back to farming. Tell us just a little bit about the, the various uh, dabbling you did in different, I think I feel like a lot of different industries, really. Yeah. So I um, actually tried to farm when I first got out of, of high school and I uh, didn't make money. So I went to work in a lumber mill. So I worked in a lumber mill to pay off my debts from my farming adventure. Uh, I worked construction throughout the state. I built hydroelectric plants, so energy producing plants. Uh, I built uh, reservoirs and roads and that kind of, I did construction. I had a statewide uh, blasting license. I used to do quarry work and I had a license for the state of California to um, make crushed rock. And then, um, I, but I went started my farm, started back in the farming uh, when I was about 27 years old, I started my seed business. Uh, I, that's, I, I ran for office when I was 29. And so that's kind of the future behind me. I married my wife. Um, <laughs> Wait, there's a good story, I think, on how you proposed, you proposed to, her. to her. Yeah. So um, I met Megan actually uh, when I was on the campaign trail um, uh, for a supervisor, my first uh, race. And uh, in, ended up dating her for uh, two or three, four years, I think it was. And then uh, got married. Right. She's, she's, <laughs> she's 10 years younger than I am. We've been married 23 years. We have three uh, beautiful children. We have two sons, Chase and Reagan, and we have a daughter, Rosalind. Uh, Rosalind came 10 years after the boys. So we have, uh, she's, in fact, tonight we have a volleyball game. Her first volleyball game I'll, we will be attending tonight here in Sacramento. Nice. Uh, I proposed to Megan uh, at the Board of Supervisors meeting. I was the chair. And uh, I remember uh, I got down on one knee and I told the clerk, uh, if she says yes, record it. If she says no, <laughs> please don't record it. And, uh, and I have an awesome wife. She serves in the legislature as well. Right. She took my place in the uh, assembly. And so we both uh, are serving here at the state legislature in California. I want to ask you about your kids because your son, as you said, named Reagan. Uh, I'm wondering if it was after the former president, but your daughter, Rosalind, I mean, that was the first lady's name, uh, Rosalind <laughs> Carter. Does that, is that a coincidence? Uh, no, we didn't plan any of that. Actually, <laughs> my, son, my son, Reagan, has a middle name of Taft. 
which is another president's name, but that's my brother's name. And so we named uh, our oldest son, Chase. His middle name's Garrett after my uh, wife's brother. And then we named uh, Taft, Reagan after my brother Taft. So uh, just family names. Uh, we didn't choose Reagan because of Ronald Reagan or Roslyn. Uh, we, we, we put a lot of thought into their lame, into their names. Um, Rosalind means beautiful rose and she is, uh, Reagan means ruler and strong. And he is very strong and chase means hunter. And, uh, he likes to, uh, hunt on our property up North. So the names actually go with the, uh, what they do. And, uh, chase is running our farm. I was right going to ask about that. Like, cause you guys have been in Sacramento serving in the legislature. So yeah. he's, he's so, running the show. Yeah, so both the boys went to uh, Cal Poly San Luis. Uh, uh, Chase needs to have, he needs about a half a semester to complete his crop science degree. Uh, Reagan went there for a little bit during COVID, wasn't really a great fit. So he's here in Sacramento going to William Jessup, but he's taking a semester off to work with me on the campaign. But Chase, yes, is running our uh, farm. We had about a thousand acres of cereal grains in this year. So he's taking care of all of our business. We have wonderful employees. Uh, that are also like, hey, just go do what you need to do, and uh, we'll take care of your business. They are. It's awesome. We have an awesome community, too. It's a small community. People are coming alongside us there as well and helping out. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Scott Schaefer here with Marisa Lagos, and today we've got Senator Brian Daly. He's running for governor of California. I know that uh, in, when you were in the legislature, well, you're still in the legislature, but at one point you and your wife invited about 100 lawmakers to the farm to educate them about ag issues. Uh, how many came? What was that like? Uh, when I first came to the legislature, I sent an email out to every office and invited them to come to my district. You know, most legislators aren't have not been passed uh, Sacramento North. And I had 127 legislators to our district over the 10 years. Uh, the majority of them, obviously, Democrats. We built uh, relationships. And I also uh, asked to go to their districts. As, uh, in return, I would pay my way. If they would come to my district, I would pay their way. If they'll invite me to their district, I would pay my way to come to their districts. And I did. I, I uh, Anthony Rendon was one of the first members. We came in together. He's now the speaker. We are really good friends. I went to his district, looked at his issues. I've been with Reggie Jones-Sawyer and Compton. Uh, he's also been to my district. And so, you know, you can really get a lot of things done when you build a relationship, break bread with each other, and talk about the things that you agree on more than the things you disagree on. Uh, I'm on the Boys and Men of Color uh, a, mm -hmm. a committee with Reggie Jones-Sawyer. I have uh, Native American uh, young men. It's the highest suicide rate in our state, 18 to 25. He has young black men in his community that are faced with some of the similar issues. So we work on those issues together. We disagree on uh, uh, social or not so uh, on uh, crime issues a lot, but there's places where we can work together. So I try to focus on the things we can work on to get things done. You know, obviously I'm a Republican, and it's a it's a majority of Democrats. My whole elected career, it's been that way here in California. But I've figured out a way to uh, get things done and, and that are good for my district and good for California. And I educated them a lot on fire. As you know, um, we are burning down and we there's a we can fix that. We just need to thin our forest uh, and get it in a place where fire can go through our forest without killing our forest off and emitting carbon. What kind of questions do they ask? Like, what, were there some things that you're like, uh, roll your eyes a little bit? <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Can't I, they're I think asking. the. I think the main thing to take away from most of the trips was it's very beautiful area. It's very wide open. Um, we don't have cell service coverage everywhere. And so that was a big challenge, which was actually to my advantage. I was going to say, that's look, probably a good thing. Right. They can't look at their phone and, um, 
and they're, I have their captive an audience when they're up there. But we they they were surprised I was elected from such a small community. I mean, uh, Bieber has a population of like 270. The closest Walmart is 75 miles from my home. The closest Costco is 110 miles. Um, but I've been an outlier a lot in uh, in elections, and I continue to win. And so I know that the, this race is the same, that I'm from Northern California. Even though I represent a million people, um, this is a tough race. But uh, California needs something better, and I'm going to give them the opportunity of uh, choice. Well, let's talk about some policy issues, because you are running to run the state. Um, you, I mean, you brought up fires, and I think that's a great segue into climate change and the sort of debate in the state over how to tackle the extreme weather we're seeing. We're coming, you know, off of this heat wave. It was very dangerous. Um, I know you've opposed a lot of bills aimed at cutting emissions and talked about Air Resource Board mandates really being a challenge, especially in agriculture. What's the balance that you see? Because to your point, your district is also disproportionately affected by a lot of the fires and extreme weather that we are seeing. And gas prices, too. Well, yeah. So I think the biggest uh, difference between my philosophy and Gavin Newsom and many in his party is that California produces 1% of the world's greenhouse gases, 1%. But we are the fifth largest economy in the world. So when you're the fifth largest economy, you use a lot of resources. You use concrete, you use, we build, we do, all those things come from somewhere and there's an emission attached to those. So my philosophy is California has the most stringent uh, environmental laws. So if we do, if we produce those materials in California and put Californians to work, we're actually reducing carbon more because we're doing it in a more environmental friendly way. Now, Gavin Newsom and, and a lot of elitist Democrats, is, their policy is we just don't want it here. So that those jobs and that that uh, those products are outsourced to countries like China, uh, where they don't have any regulatory laws. And they're building coal-fired power plants to build those uh, commodities that we need. And so my goal is to do it in California. Let's build those things. Let's, let's use our oil in California versus shipping oil in from Ecuador, destroying the rainforest and not helping the environment. We, Because it's really a global situation. It's not just a California situation. So that's really the major difference between what I think needs to happen in the environment. And I think we can do it better. I think we can actually reduce carbon a lot more by producing uh, the things that we need in California here. And we have all those resources. We have, we have uh, gravel and we have concrete and we have lithium and we have all those things here that we need to transform our economy in a positive way and at the same time we have we'll put Californians to work it'll make California a more prosperous state and we will reduce carbon twice as fast the other thing I want to mention we talk about forest fire is um, the biggest emitter of carbon in the world is forest fire it's not combustible engines but we don't even count forest fires in California, which are the biggest emitter. I did a bill uh, two years ago to actually say we're going to count the emissions from forest fires. Uh, so we have all the information in one spot, and that bill didn't get out of the, the state Senate uh, because they just, quite frankly, don't want to count it. They want to regulate mm -hmm. combustible engines. When I think we should be focusing not just on combustible engines. That's obviously part of the problem. But a bigger part of the problem is forest fire, and we can reduce those emissions uh, by thinning our forest and, and taking that product out and securing that carbon in a, in a way that makes California a real leader in, in the climate change fight. I want to ask you about abortion. Um, 
We talked about the polling on Prop 1, very much supported, including a fair amount of support from Republicans and independent voters. Um, I think you've described yourself as pro-life. Uh, describe, though, how you would how would how would that affect the way you govern? Um, I mean, yes, we have a Democratic legislature now that wouldn't let you, you know, try to, you know, rein that in at all. But what would you what would you like to do? Like, what would you what would be the best policy for California from your perspective? Well, I I am frustrated as you just heard. I mean, I'm I've been a Republican in California. I am pro-life. That's that's not a secret. Um, but. California's law right now that we have on the books, which will not change whether Prop 1 passes or fails, is, well, it'll actually change if it passes, but it's up to six months that a woman can choose. Uh, and then after that, it's if the if there's a high-risk pregnancy. So that's the law in California today. Um, and that's not something that is, is changed. What Prop 1 actually does is expand that law to any time. There's no definition of when... Uh, you can take when, when you can have an abortion. So it can be a late term. There's no definition in there. So for me, uh, that's the issue of prop one and it's on the ballot. So Californians are going to make that decision. I'm, I'm going to be voting against it uh, and we'll see what happens. And then the, the future of California is after November 8 and see where we come out with that. But if, if it fails, uh, we're still with what we have on the books as a law of six months. So in California, um, it's really a matter of expanding abortion through Prop 1 more than it is um, anything else. It, the right is still there. But you do not support that right, and the majority of Californians do. And I think that people, you know, you're asking people to potentially cross party lines or independence to support you. Like, what is your message to people who say, I support safe legal access to abortion, and I'm worried that you would try to undercut that? Well, I think that's the that's the issue is that you're there is no ability unless the legislature does something. And we'll have that opportunity after November 8 to see if that happens. So I ask Californians this. Is this the biggest number one priority? We have 40 percent higher murder rate in the last two years. We have highest inflation. We have a lot of things that are happening in California. And this bill was put up so it would drive up uh, the election. This is this is trying to get folks out to vote on an issue. And Gavin Newsom used it very effectively. He's talking today about putting billboards up and making California a sanctuary state where uh, Californians will be paying for, uh, you know, folks that don't live in our state for an abortion. So that's really what the, this is about. The law will be the same that it is if it fails. Um, but it will expand abortion, and I'm opposed to that. I want to ask you about a bill that's on the governor's desk that would make it easier for farm workers to unionize. Uh, he's getting pressure from President Biden to sign it and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, he seems to be reluctant. He has He's vetoed something similar. What's your position? Is this, a, is this an area that you agree with the governor on? Do you, you think that's a bad bill? Yeah, I do think. I voted against the bill. I think it's... Um, um, where people are happy if they, they, I mean, I was just toured, I toured a pistachio plant yesterday in Tulare when I had an event down there, we went and looked at this awesome, uh, facility that has about a thousand workers and, uh, they actually tried to unionize that. And it was a 95% rejection of union, unionizing it. They love their job. They're happy with their employer. Uh, I don't like it when government gets involved between, uh, employees and employers. I have employees that work for me. It's, you know, it's it's un, it's really interesting to think that we have to have the government get in the middle of negotiating our union. Look, people can leave if they're not happy with their job. There's lots of jobs in California. And I think that the the really what people need to know is that we have a great relationship with our employees. We want them to stay. We want them to 
buy a home, build a build, you know, put their kids through school, all those things, because you're only as good as your employees. As a as a business owner, I know that. And I have great people that work, they're taking care of my my business for me right now while I'm doing uh, what they say needs to be done in California. So I think that that bill is a, a bad bill. I know he's in a pickle because he's pro-union uh, and he's he's got it. And Joe Biden is beating him up over it. So uh, I think it's quite interesting, actually. <laughs> you seem like you're being entertained by this. <laughs> I mean, I am curious. You know, there's a lot of conversations, not just in this, but there's a, the fast food bill as well about wage theft, but also just the treatment of employees. I think we've seen workers really kind of have a moment in terms of exercising their power. Since you are a farmer and you're so familiar with agriculture, like what do you see would be a better approach to, or, or is there a problem to be solved at all? Like, are people in good positions, you think? I don't believe that, um, you know, we have to get government involved in those. The, the, the for, As I stated earlier, you know, there's nobody that's bound to have to go to work for somebody. It's, it's they choose to work for you, you want them, and they have a skill set, and the market will bear what the market will bear. Inflation's going up every day. I mean, people can't afford, eggs went up 36% last year. Milk, everything's going up. Well, I have to pay my employees more um, because everything's going up. So, and you have to compete because other businesses are are offering, if they're skilled and they're good employees, they're people are, I mean, we have in our little community, we try, we try not to make, we we, we have a truce with each other because all they're doing is driving up the cost of labor. And we want people to have a good Livable wage. We are short on time, but you mentioned your wife took your place in the assembly. What are some issues you disagree on? Yeah, what's like the biggest oh legislative God. fight you've had? So we, the first year was like 10 bills, that, and I can't even remember which bills. I mean, and it's, it's been fascinating, and this year it's even more. And so um, we got asked some reporters about that, and, you know, my wife would say, he just doesn't know what he, he doesn't understand. And I'd say, well, you know, but, uh, you know, she- You can't she, say that. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for conversation, but you know we have different opinions, and and that's what I think we need more of in in, in the legislatures. You can disagree, uh, we, but we still raise our kids the same. We still love each other. Everything's awesome, yeah. um, but we can disagree, and and we can move on with uh, with that. We have different opinions about different issues. Do you have a no dinner party or no dinner time like legislative no. debate rule? <laughs> no, I think more more people like to poke at us about it. And we just move on. I mean, in everyday life, we have di- disagreements right. about what we should do. And we, we work, we've been married 23 years. We're happily married. Awesome. All right. Senator Brian Daly, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. If you want to find out more about me, you can go to briandaly.com. All right. Got check it. it out. That is going to do it for this edition of Political Breakdown. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Guy Marzarati is our producer and Jim Bennett is our engineer. He is indeed. I'm Scott Schaefer. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. Follow me on Twitter at M Lagos. Have a good one. Bye-bye. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. 
Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.